0: Farm Talk on C103 with the Dairy Gold Prime Elite Rumi Force Calf Cube. Maximise calf performance and health at grass by optimising the function of the rumen.
1: Welcome to the Dairy Gold Farm Talk programme with John O'Connor. Later in the programme, CBV for calves and the Dairy Calf to Beef System. Also, West Cork Ploughing, upcoming event, Carberry Mocraferma notes and other items. Next in the programme... West Cork Ploughing, Miss Caroline Jennings, P.R.O. for the Cork West Ploughing Association. Caroline, welcome to the programme. I understand you now have a fairly short uh, item for the uh, programme vis-a-vis West Cork Ploughing.
2: Yes, John. um, Unfortunately, due to the weather last week, uh, Kilmeen had to cancel their ploughing match. But fingers crossed, uh, Tim League Association are hoping to hold their annual plowing match on this Sunday, the 28th of January. But like that now is weather depending. And it's being held on the lands of Niall O'Donovan, Garren Druig, Timmy Bandon. And the air code for that is P72CX45. So that's P72CX45. The entries have to be with Kieran Kihan on 087. Six one six five six zero 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 eight seven six one six five six zero zero by ten AM Saturday the twenty seventh of January. And if it does go ahead, plowing will commence at eleven AM sharp.
1: Thanks very much indeed, Carolyn. Thank you. Thank you, John. The IFA will hold an online meeting next Wednesday, thirty first of January, at eleven AM to update farmers affected by the RZLT Residential Zoned Land Tax. IFA Farm Business Chair Bill O'Keefe said updated maps will be published on Thursday, February 1st. Landowners who are impacted can make submissions on these maps up to April 1st. He said the briefing, which begins 11 a.m., is an opportunity for those affected by this tax to understand the process and do what they need regarding getting their land removed from the liability. He said senior officials from both the Department of Housing, Local Government and Heritage and the Department of Finance have agreed to attend. They'd present and take questions at the meeting. IFA say this should bring clarity to the process for those farmers affected. Bill O'Keefe said the IFA had been working for some time to get all genuinely farmed land removed from this tax, the RZLT, Residential Zoned Land Tax. He said work would continue, and he encouraged all who may be affected to join this meeting. More details on the meeting and to register for this online event, please register at www.ifa.ie, all lowercase. IFA President Francie Gorman led a delegation to meet the Revenue Commissioners on the issue of VAT rebates to farmers who have carried out essential works on their farms. Under VAT58 rules, farmers who aren't registered for VAT can reclaim VAT on certain capital expenditure items. Issues have arisen in recent months, whereby some items which farmers had previously received funds on were no longer eligible, apparently. Fancy Gorman said the IFA had laid out the importance of these refunds for farms to enable them to make investments in their farms. IFA Farm Business Chair Bill O'Keefe said there are still a number of items that the IFA believe a VAT refund should be allowed on. It was agreed at the meeting the IFA would make further submissions on these items. Revenue has committed to issuing a detailed guidance document to help bring more clarity to the matter after these submissions are considered. Part of a statement there regarding the IFA meeting with the Revenue Commissioners on the VAT refund controversy. The annual Chagas National Tillage Conference is taking place on Wednesday, 31st of January, in the Lyreth Centre, Kilkenny. The in-person conference is set against the background of a very difficult 2023 season, the impact of which has been carried into this year, twenty four. Dr. Yoon Mullins, Head of Crops Research in Chagas, said planning for the season ahead is a key part of the conference. The impact of recent weather on winter sowing and the potential effect on seed supplies are a concern for the sector. He said our winter sowing survey will give insight on how the sector is adapting with additional contributions from farmers, industry and researchers. Reminding listeners that the annual Tillage Conference, Chagas National Tillage Conference, is taking place on Wednesday, 31st of January, in the Lyreth Conference Centre in Kilkenny. This is an in person conference. Next in our programme, Macra and Affirma News from the Carberry Region with Laura Woods.
2: Hello, this is Laura, and I am bringing you the Carberry Makra News. Congratulations to Kilmeen Mokra and the great Capers variety show they put on for the national semi-final in Killarney recently. They won Best Male Performance and Best Producer on the night, as well as a place in the national final, which has been held in the Air Oak GA Pavilion in Ovens on the 3rd of February. Everyone is welcome for what would be a great night's entertainment. Carberry Mocker is helping people get active in 2024 with a weekly, fun, non-competitive sports night being held in Don Manway Sports Hall every Wednesday night starting at 9pm. A variety of sports will be played each week and the cost is just €3 euro, and is open to all past, current and prospective Mocker members. Bananas Carthy Mocker celebrated their 70th anniversary recently with a dinner dance held in the Fernhill House Hotel, Clonagility. There was great attendance on the night, with current and past members from throughout the years enjoying great food, dancing and catching up with old friends. The impromptu round of the public speaking competition will be held in Drimleague Hall on Sunday the 4th of February at 7pm. Entries will be taken on the night and new members are welcome. So as you can see, Carberry Mocker has something for everyone and we are always looking for new members. We have clubs located from Inishan and Tibera, so if you are between the ages of 17 to 35 and would like to join or know someone who does, have any questions or would like some more information, please contact us through our social media pages on Facebook and Instagram. Thank you.
1: Thank you, Laura, for that fortnightly report from the Carbery region regarding Mokra activities. We're joined on the Dairy Gold Farm Talk programme by Mr Aidan Brennan, Dairy Editor, Irish Farmers Journal. First of all, Aidan, welcome to the programme. You point out that the agri-sector is getting ready for 100,000 calves a week being born. So the background to that uh, massive figure?
3: Well, I suppose it's a number of reasons, uh, John, mostly to do with our our grass growth curve in Ireland, in the sense that our grass is starting to grow in the next couple of, of weeks and months. And when that happens then farmers both beef and, and, and dairy farmers will calve their cows in order to maximise that grass growth for the rest of the year. And then we'll we'll you know, we'll be back in the shed then again in um, in next October, November and December and, and renew it again for the, for the for the calving season next season. So it's very much based on the grass growth curve and that's the reason why we compress our calving to come into February, March and April so that we're maximizing the amount of grass that we can we can utilize by those cows. So that's it. It, it it's you know 100,000 calves a week uh you know over two two well over two million calves going to be born in the next couple of months it's an extremely busy time uh an extremely stressful time on on farms both both suckler farmers and and dairy farms but it's it's a successful time too in many ways because you know it it, it sets up the rest of the year if farmers get a good calving season the cows are in good order they're going to milk well or produce good calves and um yeah, it sets up the rest of the year. So, But it is a busy time, but, but I suppose the point I make is there's a good reason for it. Um, and farmers can, in fairness, be prepared for it. I think they are. Uh, we've seen big investments in the last couple of years in calf housing and calf facilities and calf feeders. Even the whole knowledge around rearing calves has, has improved and increased. And we're seeing benefits of that in terms of animal health and, and, and generally better animal performance.
1: And in the journal, you say that loads of colostrum and a clean, warm, dry bed will go a long way towards uh, keeping calves right. But again, a question mark arises over supplies of straw, not just for calves, but for lambing or other sectors, but adequate straw supplies. How worried should farmers be about the possibility of a shortage of uh, straw
3: yeah, sure. It's, it's an issue. Like, I mean, there's, there's less tillage and cereal grounds being grown in Ireland, uh, every year. Um, and to be fair, I think in, in the main dairy region, you know, in, in Cork and Tipperary and in the Munster, Cork, uh, straw won't be that scarce because there's enough tillage around. Most farmers have secured sufficient straw, I would think anyway, for the, for the season ahead. I suppose the main issue is in the west of Ireland where lowest farmers are relying on traders to get straw into them because they're not you know they're, they're nowhere near a, a tillage farmer that they have built up relationships with so there is a bit of an issue there uh in, in the west of ireland perhaps down you know further west cork there might be where there's less tillage as well uh straw could be scarce there too but in the main i would say that most farmers in in, in cork and munster are fairly okay for straw where straw is scarce look there are alternatives but i would say prioritize straw for the baby calves they need straw because it's a really, you know, a deep bed of straw is, is very important. Um, alternative exists, I suppose, for calving cows. You could use wood chip. Some farmers use that in, in sheds and it, it works very successfully. Um, the other option there is, is these rubber mats. Um, that's the new thing I've seen in, in the continent a few times. I know farmers in Ireland using them as well. Uh, you know, it, it's fine, but the calf would want it to be snatched fairly quickly and put on the straw bed. But it's good for, it's a healthy option, I suppose, for cows because... If it's washed regularly a couple of times a day, it's kept clean. It doesn't look as nice as the deep straw bed that we're used to, you know. But look, I mean, everyone has to cut their cloth to measure. If if straw is not available, it's not available. You need to look at alternatives. Wood chip and rubber mats are some of those alternatives.
1: And the Minister for Agriculture, Food and the Marine, Charlie McAuliffe, he's announced this uh, dairy calf to beef system, the... 10-point action plan for dairy calf-to-beef, but the farm organisations are keeping a close eye on that, and the IFA, for example, in referring to the scheme and calf-to-beef system, dairy calf-to-beef system, they say the system has to incentivise farmers. That's the IFA attitude.
2: Yeah, I mean,
3: look, dairy calf-to-beef is around a long, long time, I mean, and if you go back to the, to the 70s and 80s, the, the vast majority of beef produced in Ireland was from the, the dairy the dairy sector. That all changed then into the 90s and 2000s uh, and up to recently until it, it switched back again because you know there's less sucker cows in the country now than there was 10, 15 years ago. More of the beef is being produced again from, from dairy cows uh, because dairy cow numbers have increased. And I suppose really what this 10-point plan is trying to show is that we need to make sure that the calves that from the dairy herd are top-class beef animals so that the beef farmer buyer can buy those calves and make a profit out of them. That's what we want uh, I suppose, look, there's a couple of hang-ups there, a couple of uh, inconclusive um, issues, I suppose, around the, the live trades. You know, there's, there's uncertainty whether that's going to continue or not long-term. I think it probably will, for the next medium-term medium, long, medium term anyway, at least continue. But if that doesn't, then we're going to have more calves in Ireland. And we need to make sure that they're higher value, a higher beef value, and that the beef farmers can make money out of them. I, I think it's a little bit unusual for the, you know to hear IFA, I know the ICSA were also a little bit negative on, on, on this ten point plan. Uh, I mean they're looking for certainty and, and you know effectively guaranteeing themselves, you know, farmers that buy these calves a margin. But unfortunately, John, as you know, there's no guarantee of a margin in any sector in farming. There's always that element of risk. But I mean I suppose that this C D V which you which you referenced, the commercial beef value, that's an index that, that will be used, I suppose, to determine the potential profitability out from these animals in terms of their beef value. So, the higher the CBV of the calves being purchased by beef farmers, the better chance that they're going to be better calves, better beef calves, and more profitably made out of them. So, I would say that's the
1: determinant of,
3: of 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 guaranteeing your success is is buying a calf that has a high CBV, CBV value.
1: Of course, all of this is taking place against the background at EU level in Brussels. There are forces there who would ban the transport of calves at a certain age or ban the live export of calves or animals of any description. So we have to keep uh, a weather eye open to a lot of... uh, Different uh, approaches to this whole business and not to be over critical of something which the Minister's announced with uh, goodwill and hopefully which will help beef farmers.
3: I think so. I think, look, it's a positive step. It's good to see the industry working together on it. There's a number of key stakeholders involved in drafting those ten, that ten point plan. In the main, dairy farmers are, are on the road towards, you know, achieving some of the points made in that plan, particularly around sex semen, the use of the higher beef value calves. Uh, Look, at a myriad of other changes that are maybe necessary in the industry, particularly from the, the meat processor's point of view, that they need to reward um, farmers, as, uh, you know, in terms of, in terms of delivering a, a better value for the beef price for these farmers to take on these calves. Because if, you know, there is a lower carbon footprint with, with dairy beef, uh, that needs to be recognised in the marketplace.
1: And as you sum up in the journal, this week's Irish Farmers Journal, it's all about doing the regular, simple things well, doing the... Simple things well, and look for the positives in the 10-point dairy-calf-to-beef system rather than be just critical before we've given it a chance to work. But thank you very much indeed, Mr. Aidan Brennan, Dairy Editor. Irish Farmers Journal. Thank you, Aidan, very much indeed. Thanks a million. Thank you, John. Joining us on the Dairy Gold Farm Talk Programme, Mr. Dennis Drennan, recently elected National President of ICMSA, the Irish Creamery Milk Suppliers Association. First of all, Dennis, welcome to the programme and congratulations on your being elected as the leader of the ICMSA. Now, on the 22nd of January, Monday, 22nd of January, you issued... A press release regarding the ten-point action plan for dairy calf to beef, but you feel that the ICNSA wasn't invited to contribute. And if you have a plan for some organisation or group or sector, well, the first thing is to find out what that group thinks. So your key objection to the way this is being handled?
0: Yeah, I suppose. Look, at it, if as you, as you say yourself, like if you're if you're in, if you're developing a plan. And you want a, sec- a certain sector to implement it, well surely you should consult with that sector beforehand and try to make the plan as robust and positive and en- enhancing as possible and that's we just felt that rather than bringing us to a meeting in Port leash and discussing the elements of the plan and then not actually presenting with, us with the plan until we wa- as we were walking out the door, we think this could have been done in a much more constructive manner where we welcomed the plan, but we would have really welcomed consultation and, and the opportunity to have an input to make the plan uh, better and as, and as practical and as workable as possible at farm level for our members.
1: It sets the tone, a basic lack of respect or understanding that you, the farmers, are going to have to implement this and it should be encouraged. Could I ask you, Dennis, to list some of the main points having looked at the report, even though you weren't invited to contribute as much as you wished, looking at the report and um, proposals where do you see opportunities for improvement? What would you like to see done which would make this a working programme, the 10-point action plan for dairy cattle, beef? And we're talking ten, almost 10 years after the abolition of EU quotas.
0: Yeah, well, I suppose, look, we, we were the first to campaign on this, that we saw that there was huge opportunity for cooperation between different farming sectors. I mean, we have... Um, Over 60% of the of the kill in Ireland, uh, the the, the beef kill in Ireland, is coming from the dairy sector. So, you know, there's an opportunity there to improve both ends of this, that the the dairy farmer who's producing the calf needs to produce a better quality calf that's fit for purpose. There needs to be a relationship then with his uh, neighbour or his colleague, uh, maybe from his next door neighbour or down the road, uh, that the the calf is produced in a a proper manner and raised to whatever level that the, the... his neighbour or colleague wants to take that calf off his or her hands at, let it be at a week old, three weeks old, a month old, three months old, weaned, whatever, but that there'd be a relationship developed. And also, the big thing that's missing out is this is support, government support for this scheme. It is a huge opportunity, and what we've been calling for for years, is that there would be a meaningful dairy calf to beef system scheme, that the farmer who's rearing the calf, and let that be the dairy farmer or the beef farmer, whichever agreement they come to, would get a payment for rearing that calf in a proper and healthy manner and hitting targets with weight gain, etc., for the calf, and then that the, the person who was going to finish the animal and encourage early slaughter, which is part of our environmental obligation, and, and hitting our targets under climate change, that there would be a further payment for the finisher provided the animal was finished at an appropriate time to, to uh, encourage the reaching, reaching our targets on climate change.
1: People, Some people who began calf-rearing with a level of enthusiasm and commitment, recent figures show that a lot of these people would have left the sector, would have left calf rearing within about five years. So, no long-term future as things stand.
0: Well, there's a huge number of people, I suppose, who also have, uh, you know, switched away from other sectors and moved into calf rearing, and and. Um and have continued so, and found it extremely successful, and and fitted in with their lifestyle, and maybe enough farm income, or whatever else they were they, they needed to, to to provide for their family farm. Look, at not every not every job suits everybody. Not every uh, system of farming suits everybody. So there's always lots of people moving from one sector to the other, But I think if there was a meaningful calf to beef system, as I said, there needs to be a better quality calf produced by the by the dairy farmer. And in a lot of cases, I see like in, my, in my area here the actual person who's going to buy the calf and rear it is actually having an input into the breeding policy on the dairy farm to produce the calf that's suitable for the system that they want to get involved
1: in. And I gather from what you've been saying, Dennis, during our short um, uh, conversation, you firmly believe that a vibrant dairy-calf-to-beef system can be developed here, bearing in mind that we have probably the most... uh, climate-efficient beef production system in the world. So you feel it's a shame that you weren't consulted. But now, if the minister and the authorities and the government were to take your views into account and allow you a contribution, to allow you to contribute, well, then, you know, you would look at other sectors like organic farming with an annual budget of 56 million, forestry with a budget uh, of up to 110 million for this year, you feel, if it's properly funded, then it could be a very, very successful 10-point action plan.
0: Absolutely. There's only £6.5 million for the dairy to beef scheme at the moment, which is over 60% of the kill. And yet we have a £56 million bu- budget for the organic sector, which is less than 5% of the kill. Now, I think in anybody's books, that doesn't make sense. And especially when you have, you know, you're producing beef with the lowest carbon footprint probably in the world by uh, producing that beef from from the dairy sector. And as I said already, it's over 60% of our kill already. And we can certainly improve and and improve cooperation and collaboration between farming sectors to, to make this a truly worthwhile scheme.
1: Have you put out any feelers to the government in terms of, uh, you know, inviting an opportunity to contribute? Have you been in touch with the department or the minister and say, look, we have the report which we got leaving the meeting in Port Alicia, but at the same time, you know, we would welcome consultation on certain points, even if it's late in the day. You do, in your heart, want to succeed, and at the same time, you feel that, consultation could get a very very good scheme up and running
0: absolutely look this is one of our priority areas and has been the dairy cat beef scheme was probably we were the first organization that came with this proposal to the government probably about six years ago and every year in our pre-budget submission we lobby for for support to be there for the dairy cat beef scheme we see this as a hugely advantageous scheme for irish farming and it, it it can be a win-win situation that the dairy farmer produces a better quality calf and gets paid for that calf. The beef finisher has a, an animal that's fit for purpose and is going to make put money in their pockets and make it a profitable system. And it's also a win-win on a climate change perspective because the early finishing breeds, the traditional breeds that could be used here, such as Angus and Hereford, are earlier finishing breeds. And some of those can be even gone out of the system before the second winter with early slaughter, which is exactly what the government are asking us to do. All we're looking for is a bit of support in the background for this scheme to get it up and running and make it successful.
1: Calf welfare. Calf welfare would be incorporated into this uh, 10 point action plan, or even if it were a five point action plan, if it were properly drafted, well then that would in (laughs) fact um, promote all aspects of the problem which we're facing because in the background again you have the ferry firms uh, under pressure from organizations be it in ireland or in brussels and they want to stop export of calves and uh, livestock completely
0: absolutely well now we're firmly against any ban on live export we're part of the eu community uh, the, the market is there for those calves they're sought after on the continent for real units. So we, t- we, we certainly don't agree that this should be banned. So, I mean, live export is probably a different thing. But this is an alternative. Uh, this is an alternative that we can be working on. And it's a, it can be a vibrant industry in Ireland with a little bit of support. And as I said, strict, uh, there's going to have to be criteria here where the calves are going to have to be reared in a, in a strict manner with targets as regards weight gain and health of the calf and also targets for the finisher who needs to finish these animals at an earlier stage, as is being asked of us by the department.
1: You're seeking a meeting with the minister, with the department, so you you do see a future, but certainly the department would want to start including you.
0: Absolutely, that's what we're looking for. This is a policy that we've been, as I already stated, we've been looking for for probably the last six or seven years. It it can produce a vibrant, and as struggles have proven in the 10-point plan, uh, a financially viable uh, sector in Ireland where everybody's a winner, including the climate.
1: Dennis, as the, I say a national president, and of course it's the Irish Creamery Milk Suppliers Association, your title, but we haven't really planned to talk about this, but in general, do you feel, are you happy with the trend of milk prices? Do you feel that milk prices are on the mend, and are you positive, and do you see a good future still in the, the dairy sector? Well, up to about,
0: Six months or six weeks ago, I would have been uh, more positive than I am at the moment. The, the market seemed to have been increasing uh, since about uh, early September, or maybe the end of August. But the market seemed to have slightly stalled at the moment, which is very worrying. Because when you look at the, you know, the costs of, of producing milk at the moment, Chagas are estimating that the cost of producing milk on your own land is somewhere around 37 cents a liter and the milk price seems to be stalling somewhere there. Now, we think there's justification for a higher price than that because the Dutch dairy quotes are over 40 cents a litre at the moment, but it's extremely worrying times on milk price because the the costs escalated in 2022, but haven't come down. Milk price collapsed in 2023, but the costs haven't come down proportionately, so the margin that's in the middle is very tight for the dairy farmer, so it's, it's, it's slightly worrying times for dairy farmers, with the cost being so slow to reduce, yet the milk price has collapsed. So um, we'll be hoping for a reversal in the trend in the next number of weeks that we could be more positive heading into peak milk production.
1: Thank you very much indeed, Dennis. Mr. Dennis Drennan, recently elected president of the ICPSA, thank you for talking to the Dairy Gold uh, Farm Talk programme at very short notice, but uh, very interesting comments. Thank you, Dennis, very much indeed. Thanks a million. Thanks very much. Thank you. We're joined on the Dairy Gold Farm Talk programme, by Mr. John J. McNamara, Chalgus Dairy Advisor working in the west of the county from Cork West. John, first of all, welcome to the programme. Spring calving season again. What's your general overview of spring calving, spring calving season?
4: Yeah, I suppose, John, we're started at it again. And just on, on a side note, I can't understand people that are starting to calf cows really before the 1st of February. You know, we, we drifted off of this middle of January calfing, which is a big expense because you have, to have better quality silage and everything while cows are inside. And I think we've all learned the lesson out of that. But I know it's a bit of a drift back again. But for most sensible people, they won't plant their calf until around the 1st of February. And of course, they'll there'll be the odd cow that you calf ahead of time. That's inevitable. But small thing, and for most of our listeners there, they're well used to this. But when things start getting rushed, they can forget about it. Remember there's a parlor of that that has been shut down for a good while when any bit of sense here shut down since before Christmas and had a good break and deserve a good break. So just remember when you start back again, you'd want to do a hot wash and a de-scale, ideally a couple of times, you know, because it's been sitting there and the first, the first, um, the first hot wash or de-scale might dislodge a bit of stuff. So It's a bit like John, if like you or me went into the heart surgeon, you know what I mean? We might, we might knock off a bit of cholesterol and that's where the trouble would be. So the second hot wash at D scale is a great idea um, you know to clean everything before you go and of course nearly every co-op I think now has the same regulation. You have to supply a sample out of the tank for them to test before they'll even collect the first load because I suppose over the years they've got a few stuck in. So you you take your sample in. The other small thing and I suppose it's a big reason for Staxon, and cabin, you know Maybe in my famous date, within a lot of cows calving early, you don't want only a cow or two going into that tank and the agitator not getting it. You know, you want your group of cows calving, which normally happens once they're back, but it is plenty in there, uh, you know, for, from an, ag- an agitation point of view. And, and then you're up and running and I suppose facing into the most intensive labor and stressful time of the year for the next two months.
1: Preparations before the first milk collection.
4: Well, I suppose what I, what I've just said there is about that, uh, making sure that you you have you have your tank washed and all that. Yeah.
1: Cholesterol and beasting feedings, and uh, give us some type of guide to cholesterol and uh, bee sting's feeding for your just freshly born calves.
4: Yeah. Well, John, I suppose yourself and myself now are like owls dogs on the road at this stage. And I was at a couple of AHI Charles' calf care events last week, and I learned something. And the only pity is, and there was good turnout for these, the only pity is everybody wasn't at them. Because the people that have the notion, they know all about calf care, and it's still nice to get a refresher. Willie Buckley, a vet in band, and I thought was outstanding at some of the events that I happened to be at in West Cork. And a couple of small points that he reminded me of, and I thought I knew it all. One is... We probably underestimate, John, the importance of clean water for any animal. And a, a comment that was made, if you wouldn't drink it yourself out of the trough, how can you expect animals to drink? And there was solid data there about the effect on animal performance, not just calves, about not having clean water troughs. And it isn't good enough to scoop out a bit of silage and throw it away. They need to be washed out every so often so that the water is as clean as that. And that's important for calves as anything else on the colostrum thing and I suppose we all have it in our head at this stage this one, two, three thing meaning the first colostrum the first milking out of the cow is the highest um, it has the highest level of antibodies it's the best for that calf the next thing is the hard one to do the two is try to get it fed within the two hours now in all fairness that's a stressful time of the year unless you have a big team and people don't like caverns as well that can be hard enough to achieve. Let's tell me that we used to do a lot of it before, and people now moved away from it. This idea of the maternity ward, John, the maternity ward, so that your your group of cows that are coming up near calf and are in the separate area, and they run out of silage around this time of the day, and then they don't get fed until later in the evening. So you'll have a lot of them coming out to feed again, and if if they if they've a belly full, if a rumen full of silage they're less inclined, it's not foolproof, but they're less inclined to calf during the night and it takes a small bit of pressure off. So where was I? One, two, three. And the three is at least, at least three litres of colostrum in that first feed. And remember, this is a bit I've learned from Willie Buckley again last week, uh, that in the first 24 hours, the animal's stomach is open to taking in the the antibodies. And after that, Yes, your transition milk is still very useful, but there's very little antibodies being transferred across. So it's, it's very, very important to get high-quality colostrum in as soon as you can, that's practical after calving, and get enough of it in, and at least the three litres, and that's where the one, two, three come out of. In practice, you have to give probably what colostrum the cow has, but you can not test it. And there's a gizmo like a refractometer. They're not that. They're not that expensive. Sadly, I hear most people get them online rather than they're in the co-op or in the vets or whatever. They're not that expensive twenty five or thirty euros. You put a drop of milk on it. You look through it a bit like a, a telescope, and it and it 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 will it, it'll show up that. Um, Effectively, the sugar levels, but it's it shown up the antibodies in it. And you need a reading above. I'm not sure. I think the figure is 22%. But if it's high, it means it's high quality. I suppose more important, if it was low, it would indicate where you could have it now. A high-yielding cow, a cow that was dropping milk before calf and down, or a heifer. They may have lower-quality colostrum. And if you did the test, if you had the time, if you did the test, at least you'd have the opportunity to say, hold on, there's a bit of colostrum there I stored in, in the fridge from a previous cow that had high levels and that's what you'd see that first feed as well as the cow's own milk. You know, you're giving a boost to the calf by making sure there's higher quality going in.
1: Thinking about grass and getting cows out of the sheds as they calf, what's your advice regarding slurry and bag nitrogen use?
4: Right, John. You're really looking ahead. We're on starting calf and now we're thinking of getting a bit of grass to grow for them. And even the discussion group the other day, they said they were looking forward to getting some few cows out at some level. You know, as soon as they calf away, because it just takes taking the pressure off the sheds and cleaning. And as one woman said in the group, she said, "And you know, something the cows are cleaner, and it's it's nicer, it's nicer to be milking them." So I suppose a couple of points. One is, you're trying to move away with slurry because slurry is valuable and there's NPs and Ks in it. So you're trying to move away on that in, in drier conditions in sometime in February. Like, there was no point putting anything on up to this unless you were, you know, high in the tanks and you needed to reduce the risk of we getting a flood of rain for two or three weeks and you're not being able to go. So you'd love to go with around 2,000 gallons out on the low cover because obviously, you're going to be grazing some of the high ones. You can't risk that. And then after grazing, you know, John, as people are working their way through grazing and they have grazed down pretty well, that's a grand opportunity then to get flurry on that. And that's effectively their first shot of nitrogen. The stuff you can't travel then, meaning the covers are too high, are the ones that you have just grazed. They are the ones you'll be targeting for the half bag of urea. And I should be saying protected urea, labs. Because protected urea, if you work it out per unit of nitrogen, is way cheaper than canned. And it works out because it's efficiently cheaper than ordinary urea. And we're doing our bit for the environment and we're helping reduce emissions from from farming. So protected urea, about a half bag on those higher covers. And then hold off. Then take your time. Hold off then and wait till March. And then go and march on the ground that has got no flurry. Go on march with... 40 units across, and the, and sorry, John, I apologize. I'm on units per acre when a lot of my younger colleagues now are kilograms per hectare. But I, and there, anyone listening that's well up is well able to convert one to the other, so I won't insult them and tell them how to do it. So around 40 units an acre, you're going in on the ground that has got no slurry, you know, or sorry, that has got no nitrogen yet. So the hat bag in, in, in February when you move, what you're trying to use as wood slurries you can in that thing because it is valuable.
1: Now, of course, in recent years, it's been reinforced, the value of slurries, slurry being great natural resources there, certainly in recent years. But trying to put a figure on it, how much would a 1,000 gallons worth of slurry, how much would that be in terms of translating to fertilizer value?
4: Well, John, I'm delighted you're talking about gallons. You know what I mean? Because when I started, we were talking about cows yielded gallons, and then they went to litres. And now they don't even talk about litres anymore. They're talking about kgs and milk solids, because it seems all this water that has to be collected from the farm and sweated off above in Mallow or back in Carberry, that's all costing a lot of money with the price of energy, and more and more, it's solids and solids they want in. Anyway... I divert to save at a 1,000 gallons. And fertilizer prices are gladly a little bit better this year than last year. And, a li- and last year they were a little bit better than the year before. So putting current values on it and saying that it's about... I go 10, 5, 30. I was always go, it was like oh seven thirty, 7, 30. But it's not quite, so the 7 isn't in it. So 1,000 gallons of of. They slatted house slurry, you know, but there isn't any extra water going into it. It's ten five thirty, and at current prices, that's worth 29 or 30 euros a thousand gallons. And in fairness, the people that see the benefit of that, and more and more they are, particularly people using the low-emission slurry spreading because it's getting down near the ground, they are starting to say, you know something, I know it costs money to build extra slurry storage, but... If I have the extra slurry storage, I can use the slurry when I can make maximum value out of it rather than sort of just get it out in the ground to get rid of it. They, they're, they're building now to be able to use that slurry in, in you know, March and April and early May rather than having to use too much of it up in, in February when you're not getting, you know, or late January, God forbid, when you're not getting the same value out of it.
1: Could you say a few words about the CBV for calves, you know, this uh, dairy calf to beef system recently launched by the Minister of
4: Agriculture, Food and the Marine, CBV for calves? It's new to me as well, as sort of, as a dairy farmer, and I, I've, I've really taken it on board because from a dairyman's point of view, we need beef farmers to make money. And I'll repeat that, we need them to make money because if they're not making money who is going to buy our dairy calf and whether we like it or not from a beef industry point of view 70% of the beef produced in Ireland i could be wrong for a percentage or two but 70% of the beef that was that was slaughtered in Ireland last year came from the dairy herd so it's sort of the responsibility is on the dairy farmer to start producing better calves so that the beef man can make more money out of And of course he'll get rewarded for it. Of course he won't get paid enough for it, but that's the nature of life everywhere. We never get paid enough. CBV, commercial beef value. So what it is doing is, it's picking out those bulls that are, have a better carcass, have higher carcass weight, and probably more important from the sort of climate we're in at the moment as regards emissions and everything, and producing that carcass weight at a younger age. Because... This three-year-old, you know, slaughter of cattle is a disaster, and more and more to be farmers have grasped that, and they are slaughtering cattle earlier. But what's amazing is they're slaughtering cattle earlier at very, very good carcass weight still. So, from a dairy farmer's point of view, there's plenty. Of I just looked at it before I came on air in case you hit me with some real technical question, John. I just looked at the list and. From our local, from Munster, there are plenty. And right across the way, they all have a... There's plenty bulls out there wearing my dairy farmer's hat now, John, that have normal gestation. They're not longer. They're not, you know, they're not longer gestation because no dairy farmer wants them longer because longer means their cow is milking for less days, less money. And the other thing he doesn't want or he can't have is difficult calving. So there's plenty bulls out there that are... Normal calving, normal gestation length, and high den on CBV. And roughly, you're looking for, you wouldn't, I'd be very slow to use a bull less than 100 for CBV. Because there's plenty of a selection out there. And the higher the bull you use, obviously, the more the more potential there is for the beef farmer to make money out of that calf afterwards.
1: Is it a certainty that CBV will
4: be available for calves at the ringside in the marts? You're you're hitting on slightly controversial territory now, John, because I suppose, in fairness, for this to hold credibility, we'll have to be sure that that calf is out of the AI bull that was dated. So they're holding off on putting it up unless you're genomically tested. So a lot of dairy farmers, there was... Well, I, I say free. There was a free option to get involved in genomics testing your cows last year, this year. But the catch is, you didn't had to test your calves this spring. And that was a cost of around 4 or €5 Euros a calf. Still a very, very good deal. And from a dairy farmer's point of view, you'd identified all your better cows. You had them identified already off of ICBS with the EBI. But this was reinforcing that. It was more information on it. So... A certain amount of dairy farmers took up that um, took up that option. But from a Marx point of view, and I suppose for the credibility of this, and from a beef farmer's point of view, it will be up this year if those animals, if they have proof that the animal is what it is saying on the tin, we'll say on the card, based on genomics. Otherwise, it won't be there. So there'll be some of them there this year, and there'll be more and more there next year.
1: The CBV. Remind our listeners
4: what exactly CBV stands for. Um, so, commercial, and, and so, no, I, if I say the next thing, John, I'm going to cause more confusion. I used to be calling it carcass beef value, but my younger colleagues have me corrected. My beef advisor, Lancer, said, no, John, it's the commercial beef value because it takes into account the carcass weight. So, the higher carcass weight, is, is going to have a bull with a higher rating for CBV. And equally, the age of slaughter, because what the beef lads are, are trying to do is have a, a heavy carcass, but have it as young as possible, so that you are... You, well, one, you're making more money out of it because you're moving them off the farm quicker. And two, from a whole emissions from agriculture point of view, obviously, the younger we can uh, move animals off, the better, you know, so... Those are the so commercial beef value, and what I'm suggesting is, obviously, the better your, the more beefy your dairy cow is, the lower the CBV of the bull you need to use in order to produce a great calf. But why would you be doing that, sir? Sure, you'd be as well off still using bulls that are high up, you know, that are over 80, over 100, and there's plenty of them out there. And you know what's nice? There's plenty of them out there across all the breeds. It's not just. The dairy farmer looking in and says, oh, I'm only going to use Aberdeen Angus. Yes, that's simply Aberdeen Angus bulls, but there's lots of limousines, you know what I mean? There's sailors, there's aubrac. There's even a not Belgian blue will make it. Well, of course they'll make it, but I'm saying they have low enough calving. If you're selective, you will get low enough calving difficulty, Belgian blues and gestation lengths. Not as many, obviously, as the Anguses, but there's, breeds, there's bulls of every breed available.
1: Coming to the choice of AI bulls, any tips for farmers when they're choosing beef AI bulls for this year,
4: 2024? You're picking them on what you're happy with as regards ease of calving. So everyone has their own sort of criteria, and I'm I'm slow to throw it out there because and and people know their herds, so they might use a, a, you know a lower. Um, and difficulty bull on on younger cows and then on older cows that have calf before and they know what they're like, they might use higher calf and difficulty. And none of them want, you know, a longer gestation. So you're picking bulls that are effectively zero on gestation length, meaning they're normal, or even minus a small bit. Or but what some lads do, they're using the beef bulls early on because early on when they start breeding. Because more and more dairy lads are getting quite happy with using sex semen. The conception rates are holding the same as with conventional semen. If like farmers are very innovative, if they're very selective of what cows they put them on, and what they're telling me is, you're better off if the cow's been in heat a bit longer. So they're, if you know, their their nice window is the cow in heat from 13 to 23 hours. Sorry, that your AI in her. 13 to 23 hours after the onset of heat. So they're using sex semen at the start, but equally they're using B F A I from the start. So now beef AI to start, they're not as worried about gestation length because it goes on a little bit longer with harem, they're the early cows. And then as the season goes on, they're more selective. They start looking for bulls that are sort of normal gestation length or even a bit shorter
1: thank you very much indeed Mr John J McNamara Dairy Advisor with Chagas working mainly in the west of the county in Corgaret. John thank you very much indeed thanks a million. Thanks John And that's our Dairy Gold Farm Talk Programme for now I'm John O'Connor, thanks to everyone who contributed to our programme this week including the guests who spoke with us this week, also Barry O'Malley, Head of News, 96FM and C103 Mary Tuig, 96FM and C103 news reporter and newsreader, and also creator of the regular Farm Talk podcasts. And a special thank you to the listener for tuning in. The Farm Talk program, 7 a.m. to 8 a.m. on Saturday mornings and 10 p.m. to 11 p.m. on Wednesday evenings. Podcasts available shortly after the live broadcast on the following C103 homepage.
0: Farm Talk on C103 with
1: Dairy Gold. Choose Gold Performance Pack. Includes Biotin, Ysac, and protected minerals to reduce lameness, boost milk solids and fertility.